you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 5. This morning, I want to take a look at um, probably a very popular story in Scripture that even if you're not from a church background, you've probably heard the story referenced about the men who came and brought Jesus, brought the lame man to Jesus and lowered him through the roof. How many of you are familiar with this story? I'm sure that we've all heard it uh, at one, one time or another. In Luke chapter 5, we've, we're going to pick up this story. But one of the things that God's been challenging me this week as we've moved here and, and preparing for this weekend and the coming weekends, uh, there's a term that I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps stirring in, in my belly and, and in my spirit about, about our church and about uh, what, what God wants to do in each of our lives. And that term is backyard missionary. That God wants each of us to become missionaries in the city of Akron. There are people that you work with. There are people that you go to school with. There are people that you live next door to that all need to have an encounter with Jesus. Amen. They need to encounter the presence and the power of God in their lives. And, and by looking around this morning, I love the church. I love the layout. But there's a lot of empty seats here this morning. You can say amen. That's, that, it is the truth. There are a lot of empty seats this morning, and there are people that you and I work with, go to school with, that are around, that need to come and experience the presence and power of God for themselves. And so I feel like God's been stirring in my heart this term, backyard missionary, that, that each of us, it's time for each of us to engage as missionaries to this city. God's challenging me in that because guess what? I'm, I'm engaging as a missionary to this city. God's moved us here, and, and we're engaging. Everywhere we go, everywhere we've been, from, from the time we started coming, uh, when we were interviewing and all of the process, we've, everywhere we've gone, we've been a missionary to the city. The people at the hotel we stayed at knew all about Celebration Church by the time we left. The people that, that drove us around on the trolley, we, we got on a little kid's trolley the other day, and by the time we got done with the kid's trolley, the husband and wife that owned and operated that thing knew about Celebration Church, knew about our outreaches coming up that we wanted to do, and they were already pulling out their calendar trying to figure out if they could work us in somehow. So we're, we're, we're missionaries engaging. We're doing it. And I'm going to ask and challenge you to join us as backyard missionaries, that you, you would engage as a missionary to this community. And so we pick up this story in Luke chapter 5, in verse 17. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Man, that's a great line to underline. If you're, I, I have notes all throughout my Bible. This is one that's definitely underlined. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You know, it, it's interesting that the, they don't comment, Luke doesn't comment on what Jesus was teaching, but he comments on the atmosphere that was there in that place. And he says, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a bed on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Now, in Mark chapter 2, we see the same story. It adds a little bit of detail here. It says that four men carried this man in. So they brought in this man that was paralyzed. They sought to bring him before Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Both of those are pretty substantial statements, if you ask me. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that would be a strange occurrence, wouldn't it? Lord, I just thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying today. Lord, I pray that you would implant in each of us this burning desire to reach our city. God, I pray that, it, that, you, that fire of evangelism would burn brightly. God, that we would, have a, we would have a compassion on those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't know if you've ever gone on a missions trip before, but uh, I love missions trips. We do missions trips annually. We love, uh, matter of fact, we, we've already been um, talking to missionary friends of ours. We, we already, it sounds like, have an uh, Asia tour working out, going to Asia next year from Vietnam and Shanghai and different places, people uh, wanting, to, wanting us to come and do a missions trip. So I'll put that bug in your ear if you like missions. And uh, we had another just this morning had another uh, friend of mine who I haven't seen in years, uh, used to know, know her family in Illinois, and of course I haven't been in Illinois in 10, almost 10 years, and uh, it was interesting. She Facebooked me and said, we're coming through Akron. We wanna, I want to meet your wife and see your daughter, and so they're, they're missionaries to Italy. And so uh, it would be great to catch up with them. But, but missionary, you know, anytime you go on a missions trip, this, it's like this grace bubble comes on you. If you've ever been on a missions trip, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you could be in the worst of the worst, out in the, in the boonies of Africa, out in the, out in the uh, bush of Africa, and it, it doesn't phase you. You could be sleeping with the, with the spiders and the snakes and the whatever and have to have the bug net around you to keep the bugs off, but this supernatural grace comes on you for that missions trip, and it's like it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, I'm going to reach people for Jesus. I'm going to, to see lives transform. You could be going into a communist country and, and know that everywhere you go, there's video cameras watching every move you make, and you can't preach Jesus on the streets because they'll come arrest you, and, and, and knowing that every move you make affects the person that you're there ministering with. And so, but it doesn't matter that, that the government's watching every move you make when you're in those communist countries because you've got a grace bubble on you to reach that city, to reach the place that you're sent. And I believe that that same, that same grace, that same anointing that comes on us for missions is the same grace, the same anointing, it's the same power. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses. And I believe that that same power of God comes on us to reach our neighborhood, to reach our community, to make an impact, a lasting difference in this city. Man, I, don't, I, I could care less about whether or not people uh, ever know who Pastor Zach is. It's not about me. What I want them to know is that Jesus saves, he heals, he baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and he's coming again. I want people to know that there is life-changing power available to them. And I hope that that's your prayer. I hope that today that there's a fire that gets lit in your belly for reaching this community. I'm going to take the next couple of weeks and take a look at becoming backyard missionaries and what that means about being missionaries to this city. There are people all around us that need to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we find this story here with this this man who was lame. 
Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and and, in the beginning of chapter 5 is working all sorts of miracles. We see demon-possessed people set free. We see Peter's mother-in-law healed of a fever. We see all of these different signs and wonders taking place. The, the great catch of fish it, it takes place. Jesus said to Peter, go let down your net. Man, if that's, not a, if that's not a sermon for soul winning, I don't know what is. But Jesus, we've toiled all night. But at your word, we'll go cast out our net again. And they caught such a haul of fish that the, the nets were beginning to break. Man, what, what an example of soul winning that you may feel like today that you've tried, you've done it, you've said it, you've been there, done that, have the bumper sticker and the t-shirt. But I want to tell you this morning that you need to cast out your net on the other side of the boat again, that God's doing something supernatural. He's doing something fresh in the city of Akron. And I don't want to miss what he's doing. I don't want to miss the, the, the school of fish that's swarming right under our boat. They're there. The fish are all around. You just got to cast your net out and see what God will do. And so we pick up the story with this lame man. Jesus had just healed the leper. He told the leper, don't tell anybody. And like a good church person, he goes and tells everybody he knows. (laughs) He starts running his mouth. And so much so that it created a stir in the city and Jesus had to leave the city. There was such a stir and and, uh, upheaval about this leprous man that was healed. Jesus had to go out into the wilderness and take time away from the city. And so Jesus has just come back in verse 17 where we picked up. Jesus has just come back to Capernaum which is basically the headquarters for his ministry. More than likely, he was probably at Peter's house, his headquarters in Capernaum. And he's, he's there at the house, and he's teaching. Well, you know, fame has spread about Jesus. You know, all of these healings have taken place. Things have happened. He's been out ministering. His fame has spread. And he's in the house teaching. And the Bible says that the house is so full that you couldn't get another person in. The house was jam-packed with people. More than likely, they would have been, it's it's probably similar to this. It would have been a first floor room, something like this, large opening. And Jesus would have been uh, in front of them teaching. and And the house was packed. It reminds me of Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival. I love revival history. My wife and I love revival history. We love studying revivals. And probably one of my favorite revivals to study is the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s that basically was the, was the spark that initiated the Azusa Street Revival that has, has affected us. That's why we have the Assemblies of God, was from the, from the Azusa Street Revival. And so that spark in the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s, the, the, the revival fire that spread across the, the country of Wales, the Bible, uh, the history of the Bible, the history says that, that there was such a revival taking place that you couldn't go throughout the countryside without hearing people groaning and praying and crying out to God in their homes. They, the miners, it's a mining country, and, and the miners had to retrain their donkeys because the donkeys didn't understand proper, appropriate language. The miners would cuss and curse at the donkeys, and when the miners got born again, their language cleaned up, and the donkeys didn't know what to do because their language cleaned up. True story. And so Evan Roberts, God spoke to Evan Roberts and said, believe God for 100,000 souls, and so he travels, him and, and a group of young people travel across Wales. And one of, the, one of the stories that I love about Evan Roberts is that his meetings, he would, he would advertise that he was going to one meeting and he would go over to another church that, and just randomly change his, his 
schedule because it wasn't about him. He, didn't, he, he never wanted it to be about him. And so if people were promoting him and it was all about him in one city, he wouldn't go to that city. He'd go to another city where it wasn't about him. But the meetings that he would have were so full that, that history and, and stories say that, that, that they would literally have to throw people into the, into the meetings on top of the people. It, would be, it was like, you know, crowd surfing in church almost. You know, there, there were so many people packed into the, into the churches that they literally had to throw them on top of the crowd to get them into the service. Can you imagine church like that? This building so full of people that they're literally throwing people in in the foyer and all the doors trying to get in. Hey, I believe God can do it again. <laughs> we might have to increase our insurance coverage, but that's okay. I believe God, God can do something supernatural. And I, I believe he wants to fill this church with people that are being transformed. And so we, the first thing that really stands out to me here is this phrase, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There was a, such an atmosphere created in this meeting, this atmosphere of the power of God. The Bible says in Matthew, I love what this verse in Matthew says, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick who were afflicted with various disease and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And so Jesus' fame was spreading and the, and the people come with this expectancy that Jesus was going to do something for them. He was going to meet them at the place of their need. You know, not only were, were the... Uh, those who were infirmed and those who had sickness and disease attracted to this atmosphere, so were the Pharisees. The Bible says that the Pharisees were sitting there watching all that was taking place. I find it interesting that there was such an atmosphere, a distinct atmosphere in this house of the power of God that it was noticeable to those who had spiritual perception, but to those who came to judge missed out on the atmosphere of that place. You see, you can come to church every week and you can sit and, and enjoy it. Oh, that's great singing and great teaching and preaching and, 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 and enjoy the, the presentation, but never, ever really truly get the atmosphere that's in this place today. Never really step into the atmosphere of the power of his presence. I'm aware of the atmosphere today. I'm aware that the presence of God is in this house. There has been, there's been a distinct atmosphere change in this room today from the start of service to the current the current place we're at in service today. This is an atmosphere of his presence. There's an atmosphere of his power. I remember when I first started going to church in New Orleans, I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't even on staff at the time. And I was sitting in service. I'd gotten there early, got to service. And I remember thinking to myself, this particular service that's in my mind, I remember thinking, man, there, there's something distinct about the atmosphere here tonight. It was different. Have you ever been in a service like that where the, the atmosphere was just different? It was heavy. There was something different. And that night we had a guest, uh, a guest evangelist from Australia, um, Tim Hall, who's a healing evangelist. And he was there and had an amazing uh, service that night. 
course, and hopefully Tim will be coming to Akron too. We've, we've already talked to him. He's an awesome ministry, awesome guy. Healing evangelist has done crusades all over the world. Awesome man of God. But now is a good friend. But I remember sitting in that service, recognizing the atmosphere different. I, I, I've been in services. I, I was in a, in a service not too long ago where, where the, the service, it, just, it was a normal service. It was a normal, it was an actually a young adult service. It was a normal young adult service. And I, and I walked into the service. I, I was actually not feeling well. I wasn't going to come to the service. Heather was doing the service. And she, it was actually the day of my birthday. And she said, you got to come to service because we're having a birthday party. And I said, and I wasn't going to service. So I said, well, I'll get it together and I'll come to service. So I went to service and I, I did not feel like being in church. Have you ever felt that way? You're just like, man, I just don't. I'm tired. Come on, y'all are lying. You've been there. I've been there. The problem with me is I don't have a choice. It's my job. I got to be here whether I feel like it or not. And so I remember stepping into that service, just a normal service. But when I stepped in, I stepped up. She, she said, you want to preach tonight? And I said, well, I haven't prepared anything, but sure, I'll preach. And so I step, I remember stepping up to the pulpit. And when I stepped up to the pulpit, I, there was an atmosphere change. And the presence of the Lord settled in on that place. And the whole, the whole service was, uh, was a Holy Ghost upheaval, to say the, less, to say the least. And, and one of our worship leaders, actually, that night, he said, I had my eyes closed. He told me after. He said, I had my eyes closed. I'm just worshiping. And he said, I didn't even know what was going on. He said, but all of a sudden, there was an atmosphere change. He said, I felt the atmosphere change. He said, I opened my eyes, and you were standing at the pulpit. He said, there was something different when, when you stepped up. There's, not only does the atmosphere of the room change when the presence of God comes on the scene, but the atmosphere of our lives should carry something that when we walk into a room, something changes. If you walk into the room and, and people don't notice there's something different about you, there's the problem. As a believer, we should carry the fire and the presence of God that everywhere that we go, that there is an obvious atmosphere, obvious distinction about you and I when we walk into a room. And so that's the atmosphere of this place where we see Jesus teaching and he's ministering. There's, there's a heavy atmosphere for, of the power of God in this place. And, and, the, and the Pharisees were sitting there. And the, the fact that they were sitting, this is interesting, the fact that they were sitting there means that Jesus gave them a place of honor. The fact that they were sitting, the crowds were standing and pressing in. But here are the religious leaders sitting. Jesus had obviously invited the, the Pharisees to sit and to take a place of honor. You know, sometimes uh, I believe that Jesus will allow us, that God will allow us to be judgmental. God will allow us to sit and be scornful and be judgmental and, and to sit and, and to mock what's taking place just to reap judgment on ourselves when, when, when justice comes and meets us face to face. Because there is a day of justice coming. I, I, I promise you that. The justice is sure. And when the presence of God comes on the scene, people may mock and they may, they may uh, uh, make fun of and they may make judgments about it. But there's a day of justice coming. And when they're in need and when they're in trouble and when they don't understand the circumstances of their life, guess where they're going? They're running to the place where the power of God was present. They may 
sick and make judgment. They roll on the floor and they laugh and they pray in tongues and I don't understand all that. And they may, you, they may not understand that. And you may hear all of those things. But rest assured, when, when they have trouble in their life and, and hell and high waters come in their life, guess where they're turning to? They're coming to the one who knows how to touch heaven. They know to come to the one that said, and, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost. They know to come to that person because things are going to change. People are going to be transformed in that atmosphere. Guess where they're coming? So I, I don't care if, if people don't understand, and I don't care if they make judgments. I've had a lot of things said about me. I've had a lot of things, uh, not good things said about, about me. I've had times when I'm preaching, people standing up at the back, cursing me out, having to be physically removed by the ushers. I've had demons come at me while I'm preaching. I've had all sorts of weird things happen and take place, but I don't care about all that. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost that can transform a city. So let them say what they want to say. Let them say what they want to say. Because when, when, need, when a need arises in their life, guess where they're coming? They're running right here to the atmosphere where the presence of God is. And so if we go on a little bit further in, in the passage of Scripture here, in, in Luke chapter 5, man, I'm getting happy in this place this morning. I'm getting, I feel like preaching this morning. I might take off running this morning. Woo! So we see these four men begin to bring this man in. You know, we don't know who these four guys are. It really doesn't say. Scripture doesn't really give any indication who they were, what they were doing. They just brought this man in. I find it interesting that, that here these four guys are. They have an audience with Jesus. I mean, they, they've just let a man down through the roof. I mean, they've made a big statement. They had, they had Jesus' attention. We could agree on that. If somebody were to start tearing through the roof, please don't because that's expensive to repair. But if somebody were to start tearing through our roof this morning because they couldn't get in, that would make an obvious scene and, and they would have my full-on attention. I guarantee they would have my attention. And I would imagine that they had, these four men had Jesus' attention. And they could have asked Jesus for anything. They could have come, they could have dropped the man, forgot him, let him fall through the hole and, you know, dealt with their own issues. But they didn't do that. The Bible says that they came and they lowered the man and they took care of the man. They had compassion on that man. You know, sometimes in church we get so focused on our own ailments and our own issues and our own insecurities and our own this and our own that that we forget about the lame man at the gate that's trying to get in the door. He's trying to get in the door and can't get in. And we get so focused about, oh, I got to get my seat. My seat's got my name on. I got to make sure it's there. And I, and I got to get a good seat. And I got I to gotta do this and I got to do that. And we get so consumed about us, us, us. Us, us, that we miss the lame man sitting outside the door. Can't get in because he's lame. There's people all around our front door, out in our front yard out there, that are lame. There's people all around this city that are lame. And they're just looking for somebody that will come alongside of them and say, I'll help you in. I'll get you in to where the atmosphere of heaven is. I'll get you in to where Jesus can touch you and change you and transform you. I don't mind, I don't mind if that means i got to put myself aside for a moment to, to get you in. I don't mind if I have to put my needs aside for a moment to get you into the presence of God. And you'll find that, that when you get in, Jesus always recognizes your faith. Jesus said to them, the Bible says that Jesus recognized their faith. It was a collective, it's a collective faith. There's something that happens, man, when you, 
when you get around somebody that's spiritually lame and you begin to bring them in to the presence of God, you begin to disciple them and you begin to teach them and you begin to love on them. Man, there's something that happens on the inside of you. That collective faith begins to build in you. There is nothing like leading someone to Christ. There's nothing like discipling someone and walking them through the basics of salvation and Christianity. There's nothing like seeing that new convert get baptized in water. There's nothing like seeing that new person get baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing somebody use their spiritual gifts and begin to flow in the spiritual gifts for the first time. I want to challenge you, man, and put it, if you can just if you can just hang with me this morning and, and listen to this challenge. If you can just put aside maybe some of your issues and ailments for just, just a little while and, and, and commit to find a lame man that's around you, find that spiritually lame person that's around you and make a commitment to disciple them and to bring them into the presence of God. I promise you, Jesus will take care of your needs. Jesus will, will see your needs as well and he'll take care of you as well, I promise. We just recently, y'all were praying for us and, and standing in agreement with us for Feed the Multitudes. And I'm sure all of you have heard about Feed the Multitudes at this point. If you've not, I'll gladly tell you again. But Feed the Multitudes is an outreach. It was, it's actually what delayed our coming. Uh, we had to be in New Orleans for Feed the Multitudes. And Feed the Multitudes has been going on for 25 years. It was an outreach started by our senior pastors in New Orleans. And, and they started it 25 years ago in a time of financial difficulty. The church just... It was not doing well. There, if you're familiar with the, the Gorman and Swaggart scandals and all that stuff that was happening, plus you had Jim Baker right around at the same time, there was a lot taking place in the church world, and they had just built a, a, quite a large church, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000-seat church. And, and how many of you know when things start happening in the Christian world, people stop giving? And so it was a time of financial difficulty. And and. Pastor Frank at the time was asking God for direction. How do, what do we do? What do, you know, how do we pay our bills? And instead of God giving him direction to say, go, go find a couple millionaires and ask him to write a check, God said, I want you to reach out to the lowest of the low, the poorest of the poor, and provide a free food festival. And so that's what we did. It's been going on for 25 years, and that's what we did before we came. It's a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 event. We do it every year, feed 5,000 homeless, poor. We bust them in, all of those things. So we're excited about doing something like that here. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, be working on that. But it's exciting. It was so exciting to see the less fortunate, the hungry, the people that, that, that didn't even have the ability to get a haircut. We had haircuts and manicures. Every year we have people that tell us stories of they, that they're going for a job interview. They schedule their job interviews around coming to feed the multitudes so they can get a haircut and a manicure so they can be presentable at a job interview and get a job. So those types of things, man, when you begin to find those who are hurting, those who are lame, and you begin to reach out to them, God will not only transform them, but he'll transform your life. He'll transform your circumstances and your situation. And so they begin to reach out and they bring this man in and they begin to lower him through the roof. And Jesus, the first thing that Jesus says to him when he, when he gets in front of him is, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty powerful statement, but, you know, you really don't see the evidence of someone's sins being forgiven. You know, immediately there's not really evidence of that. So I can, I can sit and tell you your sins are forgiven, but, but there's really not evidence of that immediately. Long term there should be, but immediately I don't know that your sins are forgiven. 
And Jesus makes a statement and says, your sins are forgiven. He's addressing the source of his ailment. We don't know what caused this man's paralysis. We don't know if, it's, if it was a sin issue. We don't know if, it, if he was born that way. We don't really know the details. But I would imagine that maybe this man just thought, I could never get well because I have too much sin in my life. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Jesus would never accept me because I'm, I'm not good enough. I could never be used by God because I'm not good enough. Maybe you're here this morning, you've thought that over yourself. I, I could never do anything great for the kingdom. I hear what you're saying, Pastor Zach. I hear what you're saying about being a backyard missionary and reaching our city, but I just don't feel good enough. I, I'm not qualified enough. And Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter and addresses that first. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. Man, when Lazarus came out of that tomb, he was still bound up in his grave clothes. But I tell you what, there was rejoicing going on when Lazarus came out of that tomb. That this man in a, on, his, on his bed, when he got up, the Bible says that they glorified God. They were rejoicing and glorifying God. You, you don't have to be perfect and have it all together. But when God touches your life and transforms your life and your life becomes a testimony for him, people will start glorifying God. There will, be, there will be worship happening when you allow God to transform your life. You don't have to have it all together. But it's interesting that the people that were sitting there scorning, mocking, judging the Pharisees, they begin to, they begin to criticize. Well, who does this man think he is? Who does this man think he is? You know, going on and on and on. And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus perceived their thoughts as well. The same God that was in the room to forgive the lame man and heal the lame man was the same God that was able to forgive and to heal the Pharisees, but the heart was hardened. The lame man was ready, open, willing to receive whatever Jesus had for him, but the Pharisees sat and stared and mocked in their judgment. This morning, you can, you can come open-handed, ready to receive from God and ready to receive all that he has for you. Willing to receive. God, I don't care what it looks like or how it comes. I just need you. I just need a touch from the master. This layman had only one recourse and it was healing touch from Jesus. He didn't know when Jesus was coming back. Jesus had left Capernaum for a while. He didn't know if Jesus was going to be leaving the city and being gone for a while and coming back. And here's the layman. I don't know when he's coming back, but I need a touch from the master. I need a touch from Jesus. He was ready and willing to receive. But here's the Pharisee sitting in judgment. Well, who does he think he is? I know nobody in here this morning is sitting there thinking, who does this young guy think he is? But in case you are, let me share this bit of information with you. I'm the person that God sent to say to you this, this day that there is an atmosphere of the power of God in this place. There's an atmosphere of the power of God that wants to invade this city. That if you'll open up your heart and open up wide and receive what God has for you today, he'll transform your life. He'll transform the city. He'll transform your, fi your family, your finances, all of it. Why? Because you get in the presence of God and all of those things get dealt with. All of those things get lifted. So here you have the Pharisees, able to receive, 
but had closed hearts. I pray this morning that God opens your heart, that you'll receive all that he has for you. So they let the man down. Jesus says, arise and walk. And I I say to you this morning, there are people all around you that need to be told, get up and walk. There is a community of hurting people They need to be told, get up and walk. You know, and the great thing about it is, you may not feel like you're that great of a preacher or teacher or you have any skill or gift or whatever that that is. But all you gotta do is allow God to touch you and transform you and bring them right along with you every time you come to church. We're, We're the type of pastors that we're gonna create. We will create opportunities for people to encounter the presence of God. We're, we're not just a Sunday morning, we're not just the type of pastors that say, oh, Sunday morning, check, we're good, we're done, see ya, sayonara. And I don't believe y'all are like that either, otherwise you probably wouldn't have asked us to come. <laughs> we're not the type of people that just sit idly by and say, oh, the city of Akron's going to hell and we're not going to do anything about it. No, we're going to create opportunities for people to encounter the presence of God. And I, I want to challenge you today. If there's ever a slogan that I could say, and I'm not a slogan kind of person, but, but if there's a slogan that I could give you that I would say, man, this is our ministry. This is, this is what, you know, life, hope, and healing is our, is our mission. It's our vision here at Celebration, and we, we love that. That's awesome. But if I, had to, if I ever had to put a slogan on it and, and give you a catchy slogan, I would say we're making it hard for people to go to hell in Akron, Ohio. I, I, I don't want people dying all around us going to hell. I want them to, I want the, the presence of God to be so real, so evident in our church and the outreaches that we're doing and everything that, everything that we are. We eat, live, and breathe people being born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, being taught and discipled. That, that it's hard for people to say, well, I didn't know about Jesus in, in Akron. I, I, I was in Akron and I didn't, I didn't know about Jesus. I want it to be so difficult, so challenging for people that, that everywhere they go, they see people who are in love with Jesus, who are, are saying, oh, you're lame? You got, a, you got a problem? I know somebody that can fix that. If you just, you can come to church with me or I can lay hands on you and pray for you now. Hey, I'm all for that. And the guy the other day, when he was telling us about the Cajun people, that pastors of his church, he starts talking. He said, I don't know what kind of you know, uh, church you're from or whatever. Now, actually, he didn't even know what church we were from. He didn't even know we went to church. He said, I don't know your background. And he said, but man, this church I'm going to, they get up and run around the church. And, and they'll, they'll yell and start running. And he said, that's not how I grew up. He said, I grew up in a Baptist church. I didn't grow up in a church that ran around the building. And, of course, I'm, I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, buddy, if you only knew who you're talking to. <laughs> I do more than run around the church, let me tell you. And uh, so we're, you know, he's telling us about this church. He said, but what I love about the church is that they're real people. They love each other. And he said, they don't seem like they have a care in the world. He said, they could be going through the worst situation ever. And he said, they just love each other, and they're happy. And he said, I've never seen that before. And he's talking to me, and I'm thinking, good Lord, where is this church? I want to go check them out. (laughs) I'm just joking. That's the kind of church that we ought to be, that we're full of the life and the power and the presence of God. And someone says, hey, I'm going through a difficult time. That's good. Let's pray right now. 
I don't feel good. That's okay. Jesus can heal you. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, you know, I just don't feel good. Well, let me pray for you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Well, what if they don't get healed? Hmm? Not my reputation. I prayed in the name of Jesus. They didn't get healed. That's on him. I always tell people, if, if, you're, you know, if you're trying to step out in faith and trust God, just tell the people you're practicing. Hey, I'm practicing. I'm trying to hear from God. I'm serious. Don't laugh at me. I'm serious. No. So, I, and I've done that. I've, I've sat in restaurants before and felt like God's speaking to me for the waiter or the waitress, and, and, I've, and I'm like, God, I don't know them. Do you know? You know, pastors do this too, you know. Oh, God, I don't know them. What if I, I don't what if I say something that's wrong? What if, I, what, if I, what if I miss it and I really blow it? And so I've just started, hey, I'm practicing hearing from God, and I think this is what God's saying. I could be totally wrong, though, but I think this is what God's saying. Kind of take the pressure off, you know? And then when you pray for people, I'm just, well, this is God's fault. I'm sorry if you're still sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, there's a church down the road, Celebration. I don't know who the pastor is, but you can go check out Celebration. <laughs> Becoming backyard missionaries, finding those people who are lame, bringing them into the presence of God. You know, this morning, as I mentioned earlier, you should have received two pieces of paper. I'm going to ask you to grab those. And and we're going to do something a little bit different to close out the service today. The first thing, there should be a postcard. We're sending these out to 500 uh, addresses uh, from from our database here so that people can know what's going on. And so if you get one of these in the mail, great, you can give it away to somebody else because you got one and you already know about this. So you can find somebody who doesn't know and invite them. And that's actually kind of what I'd like you to do with this one. I'd like for you to pray about, God, who in my area of influence can I invite on August 3rd? God, who is it that's around me that I can invite to church on August 3rd to the barbecue? And, And I'm inviting them to a barbecue. I'm inviting them to the church. Well, what if, what if people take off running around the church? What if people start shouting and praying in tongues and all that? It's all right. It's good. You know, most, you know this might be shocking to you, but, um, but, but the New Testament church grew when they prayed in tongues. Are you all out there? The New Testament church grew by 3,000. And then another 5,000, another this, another. They just kept growing. The Bible says that the Lord added to their number daily. So I don't think that it's a turnoff for, for praying in tongues. I don't think praying in tongues and shouting and worshiping and being exuberant in church is a turnoff. People may not understand it and they need to be walked through. That's one thing. But it, it attracts people when they come in contact with the power of God. The problem is, the reason why people are turned off, now I'm on a soapbox and I'll get off it real quick, but the reason why, the reason why people get turned off by that is because it's happened and there's been no substance behind it. It's been a bunch of uh, emotionalism and, and control. It's been, you know, people have used it to control people and, and, and get money from people and, you know, all that good stuff. And there's been no substance behind it. But i got to tell you something. I feel substance in this house. I don't think that there's a bunch of fake hoobajubas in the room that, that are just trying to, you know, that's a New Orleans term, that, that are just trying to, you know, manipulate and control people. I think there's some people that are real and hungry for the real and, and want the real power and presence of God. So, so I don't think people are going to get turned off. That's my soapbox. I'm off of it. So take one of these 
And, and I want you to pray about who to give this to, strategically pray about. We're going to take the next couple of weeks in preparation for August 3rd. And I really just want you to pray about who God can I invite to church. And, and really, it's as simple. The first step will make this very practical. My job is to pastor you and help you. And so I'm going to do this very practically. It's very simple. Give them the postcard. Hey, I'd like for you to come to church with me. That's all you got to do. You don't have to get in some discourse about theology. You don't have to explain what salvation is. You don't have to explain anything. I just want you to come to church. They ask any questions, we're having a barbecue. We'll feed you. (laughs) Enough said. Okay. Now I'd like for you to take the the white piece of paper, and this is what we're going to actually use to close the service. Every one of us have people around us in our area of influence that need to encounter this atmosphere of the power of God. And we're going to take a moment. I'm going to ask uh, Grace if you can come and just play keys and sing. That would be great. I don't, we don't need the whole band. Um, y'all are awesome, though, and I appreciate you. Um, but Grace, haha, that was funny. Thanks. Bad, bad attempt at humor, I guess. But what I want you to do is I want you to take this card, this piece of paper, and I want you, we're going to take time in just a moment. We're going to pray. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to ask God to give you three to five names. No more than five. Three is ideal. Three to five names of people that you know that need to encounter this presence and power of God in their life. They need to be transformed by God. They need salvation to come to their life. I'm going to ask you, um, why don't you stand with me? And so we're just going to take time together right now to pray. And I'm going to ask God to speak to you those three to five names. I'm going to ask him to speak to you those three to five names. And I'm going to ask that you hear from God right now. Maybe names are already coming to your mind. That's great. That's the Holy Ghost. And I want you to write them on this piece of paper. And then what we're going to do with this piece of paper, we're all going to collectively bring our papers to the front and set them on the steps of the, of the stage. We're going to put them on the steps of the stage, and we're going to collectively pray for the salvation of our friends and our families. And then we're going to collect, the, collect these. I'll, somebody, Jenna, maybe will collect these at the end. And I'm going to put these in my office, and I want to take time this Monday at our staff meeting. We'll pray over these. And then every week leading up to the uh, August 3rd, we're going, to, we're going to pray over these names. And so I'm going to ask you to join with me in that. And I'm committing to you as your pastor, I'm going to pray over these names daily. That when you write these names down, I'm praying over these people daily. I may, you know, go through them and, you know, take a handful each day and call out those names. But I'm committing to you to pray for your friends and your family. And And I'm committing on behalf of our staff that our staff will pray for your friends and your family as well. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, I just thank you that you'll speak to each one of us this morning. Lord, even now, about those friends and those family members and and those co-workers and the classmates, Lord, and people that we're around that we have influence with. God, that you would begin to speak to us about how we can be missionaries in their lives. Lord, that you would speak to us about how we can reach them and speak life to them. And Lord, we just pray right now that you would give us clear direction, give us those people to target. 
and to specifically pray for and, and, and ask for God moments with. In Jesus' name.